People don't know what it is to be champions. Oklahoma invented it. to another Young and Drum, but it actually is a Drum and Kennedy podcast <laughs> right here on OUinsider.com's Young and Drum Sooners podcast. It is a post-game podcast for you Sooners fans trying to drive back to Norman, Oklahoma City, anywhere that you live. I know you're going to be driving back home because you're going to be hanging out at the fair right now as we record this after a 34-27 to 27 Oklahoma victory where the Sooners defense accumulated, what was it, nine sacks, 15 tackles for loss. Unbelievable performance by the Alex Grinch defense. First things first, Colin, my man, welcome to the podcast, but kind of give us your takeaways on the defense and are you a believer? I mean, you have to be at this stage, right? Look, Alex Grinch... And this unit coming into this football game, Brandon, everyone wanted to see if they were for real, right? I mean, let's go ahead and acknowledge the fact that their first few opponents weren't headliner-type opponents. But going to this football game, I mean, Texas is a really good team. I, I, what I saw to this team today, especially in the second half, proved to me that there's a good chance these two will meet again. But Oklahoma's defense went in here, and when all the chips were on the table, they had to win this football game for the Sooners at one point. They did that. I thought Kenneth Murray was one of the most electrifying players on this football field, and there's a ton of talent out here. Patrick Fields, DeLaren Turner-Yale really stepped up at the safety spots. I, I really like, too, we saw a dime package from, from Alex Grinch, and this is coming to the sideline five. You saw Jaden Davis, Buki, those two corners, the veterans, and Trey Brown, Parnamali all out there covering this wide assortment of receivers for Texas. I loved what I saw from Alex Grinch in this and this unit. I, I'm excited to see more. But, but in the now, there's a lot to like when it comes to the speed D and what it now brings to the table officially. Absolutely, absolutely. Look, this, this defense, this accumulation of talent that was brought together by the former staff on the defense, but they've recruited, they recruited very well. But you want to know what they didn't do? They didn't put them in the right position. They didn't develop. They didn't do the thing. No, I, I, I like the old staff members. I, I was close to a couple of them. They were friends of mine. I, I still talk to a couple of them still to this day, but it's one of those things that you can see the difference. You, you see just the – it's not just what you see on the field. It's the uh, body language of the players. It's, it's everything that encompasses their performance – and on the biggest stage, in the biggest game outside of LSU and Florida today, that's what you're going to get out of this Alex Grinch defense. And we can sit there and say, well, they didn't play anybody leading up to this. You can't say that anymore. They've played somebody. they played a top 20 offense in the country. Yeah. They played a Heisman candidate in Sam Ellinger, and they shut them down. Yeah. And they made them look pedestrian. They made them look 
absolutely not very not very good. Outside of the two turnovers by Jalen Hurts, who we'll talk to talk about here in just a bit, this defense was might they they might be one of the best defenses in the country. And that is, I said it, they might be one of the best defenses in college football. Yeah. Uh, am I crazy? No, no, you're not crazy. And that leads to my next question for you, Brandon. For so long, Oklahoma relied on its offense to win them football games. It was basically a non-factor for the defense to step up and make a couple of plays that sealed a victory. Are we now at a point when we walk away from this game and say, Oklahoma's defense, if asked to, could win them a game? Are we at that point? Do you feel like this defense, if the offense is off in a big moment, is this the type of unit that could win this program football games? Because I'm inclined to believe that they are. No, I, I agree. I agree 100%. I think that this defense is more than capable. It's it's more than one of those deals where they're just not going to show up just because the offense showed up. They're going to be something that you can rely on because for the longest time today, they were what Oklahoma had. Oklahoma's offense wasn't scoring points, but you know what they were doing? They were keeping, again, a top 20 offense in the country, Sam Ellinger, out of the end zone. They were keeping them out of field goal position. They did everything they had to do to make sure that what should have been a 31 to 3 score at halftime was a 10, what was it, 10 to 3? Yeah. 10 to 3. I mean, it, it should have been more, but those three points were because. The two-minute offense that Texas ran with at the end of the first half. But the defense, Neville Gallimore, Ronnie Perkins, Jalen Redmond, Kenneth freaking Murray, my goodness. Buckus, I mean, there's a lot of things we can talk about here about that performance because I think the whole nation walked away saying this is a defense that can win a national title. Now, if Jalen Hurts thinks he has pressure, it's going to be amped up even more because there's no excuse. The defense is there. Think about Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield right now. What what are they sitting back thinking? Like, where the hell was this? Where was this? I mean, that's definitely the, the point. It's kind of the segue to our next topic to a degree. Jalen Hurts did not necessarily have that strong of a performance against Texas. He, he forced things, gave the ball up a couple of times, really got lucky with a Pretty spectacular behind-the-back transition of the football to avoid a sack and potential forced fumble. Is this a game where not only we walk away feeling really good about the defense, do we walk away from this game, Brandon, and think this offense took a step back, Jalen Hurts took a step back? Are you concerned at all about Lincoln Riley's group on this side of things? No. This was a, this was atmosphere. I mean, as we were saying earlier and when we were talking about the stats, I mean – if you were you didn't watch the ball game and you come over here and you look at the stats and you say, "Oh my goodness, Jalen Hurts averaged almost eight yards a carry and ran for 131 yards and a touchdown." Oh, and by the way, that's the most a quarterback of the University of Oklahoma has ever ran versus Texas. Option quarterbacks you would think would run more, but they didn't. They didn't. Jalen Hurts broke that record. Oh, and he threw for 235 yards. Sure, he had 11 incompletions and he had what? touchdowns passing for total I mean it is what it is uh, what, what's your take on this offense what's your what's your take on the ups and downs that it had because I feel in my opinion that they're 
still a really damn good offense, and they're still probably the best offense in all of college football to go with one of the best defenses in college football, which makes me think they might be one of the best teams, maybe one of the top two or three teams in college football because I think that's what we saw today. Yeah, I mean, they certainly have a chance. You talk about Kennedy Brooks, I thought was really, really impressive. Going for that 105 net yards, averaging over a first down, basically, every carry. And then on top of that, I mean, you mentioned if you didn't watch the game, you'd be impressed with Jalen Hurts' stat line. I thought CeeDee Lamb bailed out Jalen Hurts so many different occasions. In each end zone, CeeDee Lamb evades tacklers and forces his way into the end zone and makes just spectacular play after spectacular play. I think the beauty of this offense, to be quite honest, is if Jalen doesn't have his best day, and that's what you saw today. He can just get the ball out to his dynamic playmakers and let them go. There were times where he just said, look, I'm going to take a chance. And I thought Rambo made some nice plays. CD and Brooks obviously did their thing. This offense doesn't need one star. And so, sure, Jalen may have some moments where he's still trying to figure things out. But, man, this group of weapons, it's second to none in my opinion. It is. They're deep everywhere. They played without even their best tight end in Grant Calcaterra. So, I mean, that that's one of those deals where – if you look at the personnel, you look at what was going on, I mean, the, the, for what they had, they had a make still. I don't care what you call it. It was a makeshift offensive line because both tackles were so dinged up. I mean, they weren't 100%. They might not even been 70%, but they played, and they played okay, actually. But they can be better. They can be way better on the offensive line, and I think that's what you're continuing to see. Like, you can see each and every game, it's getting better and better and better with this offensive line. doesn't matter what unit they put out there, it's gotten better. And I think today was – would you say today was the best that the offensive line has played as a whole? Because you didn't see – I mean, you saw pressure from on Hurts, but he wasn't necessarily running from his life. And when he actually – when the pass coverage was there, there were gaping holes for him to run through. Yeah, I, I think that this was a good performance – uh, but at the same time, I definitely think that there's going to be room to improve. I thought early on from what I saw down on the field, the game plan was kind of get the ball out quickly, help those tackles on the perimeter because I still think they're pretty dinged up. And so, sure, it was a good performance. I do think, though, there were a couple of times that the Longhorns got into the backfield and honestly had a couple of clean shots, i.e. that behind-the-back transition that I mentioned earlier. This group still has a ways to go, and for these tackles to kind of force it, I think there's some good and bad to come of it. Good because they got out here and they continue to develop and work with this unit. Bad because what are they going to be like for West Virginia? We have no clue, but honestly, after this, there's a lot to like and dislike in terms of the Oklahoma offensive line. Absolutely. Look, here's the deal. is There is going to be improvement, but I want to transition real quick to – <laughs> might might have been the story of the whole week and the story pregame as well, and that was the unsportsmanlike conducts on everybody, on freaking everybody, <laughs> the whole team on both teams, Texas, Oklahoma. They already had one penalty so of unsportsmanlike conduct, so that meant whether Jalen Hurts got one against somebody, whether. Uh, Kenneth Murray got one. They were going to be ejected and not be able to play in the game because of the scuffle, not just at midfield, but in the tunnel. And if you go to my Twitter at, uh, at BrandonDrum247, you can see it. You have to scroll down, obviously, because there's been a lot of tweets since then. But the scuffle at the tunnel, so I blame it on the adults, the idiots that made them go in the tunnel to begin with. I mean, that was stupid. But it was all a culmination of 
what transpired during the week. And that's where it got. Yep, B.J. Foster, hey, you need to slide. He knows what's good for you. He's a smart player. Jalen Hurts is a smart player. You have Cosme. Hey, you know what? They're not very good. Neville Gallimore, uh, Ronnie Perkins, they're not very good football players. They're nothing to write home about. Bro, nine sacks. They sacked your quarterback's ass nine times. Seriously. Just stop talking. Twice. The last two games, Texas and Oklahoma played. Brecken Hager opened his mouth. Said Texas, Oklahoma's defense wasn't very good. That crappy defense Oklahoma put out there on the field in 2018 looked like they did today in the Big 12 title game. Hey, Texas, stop talking. Yeah, I mean, I think Texas this week kind of – adapted the Kansas mentality and I mentioned it earlier yeah I, I feel like they felt that if Oklahoma could focus less on execution and more on matching their physicality and aggression that they maybe would have a chance in this football game and I think to a degree that showed a little bit early on but as things progressed Oklahoma understood the stage and composure eventually took over I saw Lincoln Riley grab some of his guys during the football game and told them to basically cut it out just stop and so Texas is eventually going to learn their lesson. But at the same time, I'm not sure that this is ever going to stop because Tom Herman and this team, I think they, they understand that in order to have a chance with Oklahoma, they have to trash talk with them. They have to try and get them off their game. And so at the end of it all, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But uh, trash talk, man, bad on Texas's part. So if you hear people yelling, I mean, we're out here at the stadium uh, recording, and this guy thinks he's going to be yelling at – I don't know what he thinks he's yelling at, but he realized there's, we're not the only people out here trying to record, and this guy doesn't understand it, obviously. Anyways, but yeah, so you're correct on all that. The, the smack talk got Texas in trouble. We agree. Um, the other thing that I thought was interesting about the game was in, in the last couple of games, C.D. Lamb, that's a bad, bad man right there. I mean, a bad man. Let's 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 go ahead and delve into his stats today, shall we? Uh, Ceedee Lamb, ten receptions, 171 yards, and three touchdowns. He had a long for 51. Oh, by the way, I think he had a couple of running uh, plays as well, where he ran. I think he had 10 or 15 yards rushing. Don't quote me. I don't. We don't have the exact stats, rushing stats in front of us, but he had a pretty damn good game. Um, he is playing out of his mind. He's playing like the best wide receiver in the country. So that leads us to our next segment of: Is C.D. Lamb the best wide receiver in the in all of college football? Jerry Judy. Is he better than Jerry Judy? Is he better than Higgins? Is he better than Chenault? Is he better than Devontae Smith? Is he better than, um, who's the other dude at uh, Ruggs from from Alabama? Who's the other dude at Clemson, uh, the freshman last year? You're about Justin Ross. Ross, Justin Ross. There are so many good wide receivers in college football right now. Is CeeDee Lamb the best? Yes. <laughs> Yes, he is. And here's why I say it. And I know Alabama fans, that if they listen to this, they're going to think, what is this guy smoking? Well, guess what? I'm smoking. I've watched this guy for three years. 
get looked over by so many people. As a freshman, he almost had the most yards in a single game in one half before he got ejected for a block that was just so questionable it wasn't even funny. Last year, he hurt his shoulder in a game where he almost had, again, the most yards in a single game. This year, he's doing everything. Punt return, he's running reverses, he's throwing passes, he's catching passes. He's done it all this year for the University of Oklahoma, and he's done it better than anybody else in the nation. And I'm sitting here saying when they did it, they weren't targeting very much to start the year, but they're doing it now. And look how good this offense. I mean, yes, they struggled a little bit today, but you want to know where it started getting really good at the end of the game? When they put it in number two's hands. I, I, I think there's two things real quick. Number one, one thing that's always been constant with CeeDee Lamb, to me, which has really pushed him towards the top. He's one of the best run-blocking wide receivers in America. That will never change. It's something he prides himself on. You felt that today. And I think in large part it had to do with Kennedy Brooks' performance. On the flip side, you mentioned his, his catching, throwing all these different things. I think what's really pushed CeeDee Lamb over the top for me, his ability after the catch. I don't think that that was always there, but what he's become now with the ball in his hands is an absolute lethal weapon. I don't think beforehand we looked at CeeDee Lamb as a potential weapon that would catch the ball on the 20-yard line and force his way in through three or four defenders into the end zone. That's the case now. He's added strength. He's added elusiveness. He's, he's just clever with the football. CeeDee Lamb, to me, has done so many different things well that he has now pushed himself to the top of the rankings in terms of wide receivers in all of college football. So I, I, I like what I saw from him today. I've always thought he's one of the best in, in the game, but to me, this performance against Texas was really, really impressive. Okay. So now that this is all over, there's a couple of things we have to really look big picture-wise real quick, Brandon. What this does for Oklahoma's chances in the Big 12, obviously it skyrockets them to the top. But at the same time, this is a big win for their overall playoff picture. And, and we're going to also get in here right now with a big loss by one of the potential contenders and a potential another one by one of the two tonight. As we're recording this, of course, Georgia loses to South Carolina in a thriller. Florida and LSU will play later on as we record this, and that knocks out another SEC contender for a playoff spot. Brandon, this win and some of the dominoes that fell, what did this do for Oklahoma in terms of the college football playoff? Um, so the question has always been, and this is going to lead back to our first question, is the belief in the defense, right? And that's not just us. It's not just, it's not just us as the beat writers and the people that cover the University of Oklahoma. It's not just the fan base at the University of Oklahoma. It's not just people in the Big 12 believing. This comes down to the nation believing in this defense because they know Oklahoma has a very, very, very good offense. Now, can they match it with this defense? And that's always been the issue with a lot of people nationally, whether it's uh, the Kirk Herb Streets, whether it's the the Paul Feinbaums of there's no defense played in the Big 12, yada, yada, yada. Oklahoma just plays uh, football and skates, blah, blah, blah. Um, that can't be said anymore. And with that comes the notion of Oklahoma. They could be one of the uh, – I'll say right here. Oklahoma, Alabama, 
Ohio State. They're the three most complete teams in all college football. And if anybody disputes that, well, what about LSU? Um, in Clemson. Oh, well, guess what? Clemson's played like dog crap for most of the year when it comes to their expectations. Now, they're, they're winning. They're undefeated. They're doing what they have to do to win ball games. But eventually, the optics, what you see, your eyes, the eye test, all that stuff plays into factor when it comes to ranking these college football playoffs. And then you've got, uh, what was the other team I just said, LSU, of 40 points, 38 really, but 40 points to uh, Vanderbilt. They gave up how many to Texas, a Texas team that Oklahoma just completely shut down. Um, this Oklahoma team is, uh, look, Oklahoma's offense was awful. I mean, in, in comparison to what, what we view as a good Oklahoma offense, but they had 510 yards. I mean, come on. Come on. They're, they're, they're up there. This, this big picture, everything that we're talking about, Oklahoma, if they're not a top four team after today, I question people's sanity. You know, it sounds weird to say as we kind of wrap things up here. Brandon, I'm going to try and justify this point. To me, Oklahoma's offensive struggles actually benefited the Sooners in the long run. And I'm going to tell you why. I think that if you went in this football game and Oklahoma absolutely just ran the field up and down against Texas, immediately people would be discounting the Longhorns. Because, look, they get blowout against Oklahoma, take that loss to LSU, the SEC favors in factor. I think, honestly, that if Oklahoma made this look like a field day, this wouldn't be as much of a recognizable win. But what this did do is what you mentioned. It solidified Oklahoma's defense. I think the voters are going to look at this game and they're going to say, okay, Jalen Hurts had a bad day. He had a rough day. But now we know that Oklahoma is complete, probably for the first time in a very, very long time, maybe since the college football playoff has started. And in turn, I think that Oklahoma's offensive struggles against Texas today allowed the defense to shine on a national stage in front of all the eyes in the college football landscape. And I think in the grand scheme of things, this game, this outing by Oklahoma's defense and offense, good or bad, really helped propel them and solidify themselves as one of the top three teams in the nation. You're absolutely correct. And, and that, that right there is something that has been harped on for quite some time. The disputing over LSU, Oklahoma, the disputing over uh, the Georgia. I mean, they're completely out of the picture with a loss to South Carolina today. So um, things are starting to fall into place in the college football landscape, and things are going to fall more into place tonight after the LSU-Florida game because questions are going to be answered. The answers are going to be, is LSU really that good? Are they you – know, I mean, but they're playing they're – play, okay, LSU's playing at home. Great if they beat Florida, uh, playing their third-string quarterback. They should. They really, they should, honestly. I mean, if you're really getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, they should win that game. But if they don't, now Florida makes that jump. Are they going to be a team that catapults in front of Oklahoma because in the rankings? Because there is a precedent being set of people really trying to get that second SEC team in. Is it going to be at the detriment of Oklahoma, who proved today that they're literally one of the best teams in college football? I don't know. But I do know one thing. Next week is a big game in Norman because yes. none other than Austin Kendall yes. returns. And as I'm reading right now, that may not be such a good deal for Oklahoma because he may not play because according to uh, one of our 
former photographers, Trevor Rogers. Uh, I guess they benched Austin Kendall. Now I'm going to read the comments. Oh, he got hurt. Okay. So he may be able to play. We'll find out later on. But still, the fact remains that it's West Virginia, number one. Number two, they are going to return uh, one of the ex-quarterbacks at Oklahoma that people really thought that, oh, guess what? He almost had Kyler Murray beat out in that, that quote, quote, competition that they had last year, that battle that was so hard. So it's this is going to be fun. Um, West Virginia is always fun because the smack talk for West Virginia is just as elite as the one it is for Texas when they come into town or when they play here at the Cotton Bowl. So it's the West Virginia, Oklahoma, is, even though Oklahoma's won like seven, eight straight, I can't remember, uh, it's still a rivalry because of the smack talk because of the issues that have been underlying off the field more so than on the field. I mean, they always meet at midfield. They talk that noise and or Oklahoma goes and meets them when they're coming out in Norman as they're coming out of the uh, their locker room. So uh, it, I can't wait. I just can't wait because when's the last time we saw an 8-0 Oklahoma team after the first eight, nine week, eight, nine weeks of college football? It's been, what, since – 2003, four ish. Maybe. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah. So I'm enjoying this football season because we're seeing things that we haven't seen in Norman in a long time. I mean, what is your takeaway first seven weeks? First seven weeks. Well, first of all, Austin Kendall coming in next week. Uh, that, that will be fun to see. No, you digress. You, you kind of went on off a tangent, but hey, that's what podcasts are for, right? Uh, Austin Kendall coming back is going to be really cool. I'm glad that he gets to come home, and I'm sure that there's going to be some fanfare for him, or at least an acknowledgement of what he did here. But at the same time, as far as the first seven weeks, I think this team's really good. I mean, it's just it's so simplistic to say, but I think that this team has capitalized on opportunities every single week. And I think this was kind of the first outing that they had that you walked away from it and said, well, maybe there's – some real question marks here because even the Kansas game where certainly things didn't go their way at times, I think we all walked away from it like, okay, this team's quite clearly better than Kansas. But this to me was probably the first time that Oklahoma really faced a tough test and I thought they handled it well. And so seven weeks in, this is this to me is a team that's getting back to the college football playoff and I'm excited to see what they do the rest of the way. All right. So to close it out, uh, I want to give the two, your, your, your top two, players, one on offense, one on defense. And I think obviously when we talk about Kenneth Murray, we got we're gonna have an audio that we're gonna put in here that you'll be able to hear as listeners. Uh, from Alex Grinch talking about Kenneth Murray and the butt kiss. Because I know one of us is gonna say Kenneth Murray is yeah. one of the best players. So I'm gonna go ahead and go let's say you you give your two and then either way you're gonna hear audio of Alex Grinch talking about Kenneth Murray, uh, in the meantime of or after whoever says it real quick. Yeah, okay, well, I, I did say Kenneth Murray would be one of the stars of this game earlier in the week. So I, I'm going to go say, go ahead and say K-9 was unbelievable. I thought not only from a play standpoint, but from a leadership standpoint, he really stepped up. And then offensively, I'm going to go ahead and say Kennedy Brooks. I thought CeeDee Lamb was who I expected him to be, but 
what Kennedy Brooks showed me today is that he's kind of getting back to form, right? He, he hasn't necessarily been that long rattle-off run type running back that we've seen a season ago. But, of course, today he averages just over a first down a carry. That's who I'm used to, to seeing from Kennedy Brooks. And so Brooks, to me, was kind of the standout surprise Sooner star of this day. And so overall, I'm really impressed with those two. I thought they were just very, very crucial to the overall scheme of the Sooners win. Yeah, no, they both played really well. Kennedy Brooks ended up with uh, what you said, obviously oh, 11 yards, almost 11 yards of carry. He ended up with 105 yards rushing on uh, 10 carries. So it was a gain of, gain of 107, net 105. But uh, the, what a game by Kennedy Brooks. What a game. Uh, I'm going to say mine was Neville Gallimore. I'm a big proponent of Neville Gallimore and what he's done because the guys on the front line aren't getting blocks blocked the way that they're getting blocked without Neville Gallimore taking on the double and triple teams. And mind you, he fights through them and causes so much havoc. Uh, he got a sack early in the game. Uh, he almost got a couple more, and he got a couple of uh, tackles for losses, which Oklahoma had 15 tackles for losses total. So uh, uh, I'm really enjoying watching Neville Gallimore senior year because it's what we thought he was going to be as a sophomore and junior. And finally, in this one-gap system, you get to see his athleticism. You get to see his speed, which is a 4'7 at 290 pounds, be used in the way it should be used. Uh, and he's more focused. He's super serious when he does these interviews. And I think that's another thing. The leadership has been phenomenal on this team. On offense, I mean, CeeDee Lamb. Um, what a special, special talent. Best wide receiver, arguably, we can say arguably, in college football, even though we emphatically think so that he is. Um, but, again, he ended up with 171 yards receiving on 10 receptions. Uh, that's going to do it for this installment, post-game OU Insider installment of the Young and Drum, because it's not the Young and Drum. This one is our man Colin Kennedy filling in for RJ. Um, and I hope y'all enjoyed it. We're going to do more of these post-game podcasts. But Oklahoma, in the Cotton Bowl, came away with a 34-27 victory. Uh, let's see where they're ranked come tomorrow. And uh, I hope y'all have a safe trip back from Dallas. That's going to do it right here. Make sure you tune in and subscribe to OUinsider.com, where right now you're getting 60% off all this weekend on VIP membership. Uh, and we're dropping a whole bunch of recruiting notes, a whole bunch of VIPs. Colin's got his sideline five coming where he gives some really cool stuff that only people that are on the sideline get to hear and see. So he puts it up there, lets you get a kind of feel for what's going on on the sideline with the coaches, what the players are feeling. I got my in-game and post-game thoughts coming. We have all the VIP information as far as quotes, notes, thoughts, everything, and recruiting thoughts coming up all this week. With a big recruiting weekend, there's some five stars showing up in Norman. Find out who on OUinsider.com. Thank you for tuning in.